Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This text already came in from... John in Alberta. Hi, Roy. In all the protests against Israel, why hasn't the news media asked these protesters, do they actually know that Hamas attacked and murdered children and older people? Yeah, ask them. Ask them. Put them on the spot. Yaakov Katz. Mr. Katz is the uh, former editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, also served as the Jerusalem Post's military reporter and defense analyst for a decade. He's the author of Shadow Strike, Inside Israel's Secret Mission to Eliminate Syrian Nuclear Power, and co-author of Israel versus Iran, The Shadow War. Mr. Katz, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good. Thank you, Roy. I'm asking you this because I looked at your posts on X or Twitter this morning. The first one I saw was of a father speaking about the last call from his daughter. Dad, they're shooting at me. I'm dying. This is a young lady who's at that concert. If I, I just want to ask you this. Could you speak to me about your feelings about October the 7th today? And how would you, if you were still the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, deal with the grief, the anger, and the responsibility as a journalist? I mean, listen, what happened on October 7th strikes at the core of what it means to be a Jew living in the state of Israel. Because what, what, what they tried to do, what Hamas tried to do when invading our country and breaking into our homes and murdering 1,400 of our people was an attempt to annihilate the Jewish people and an attempt to put an end to the Jewish presence in our ancestral homeland. That, that was the purpose of what they tried to do, and they did it in the most brutal, barbaric way known to mankind, cutting off limbs of children in front of their parents, cutting open pregnant women and dropping out the fetus, raping women, murdering Holocaust survivors, kidnapping 229 citizens, children at the age of nine months, two years old, four years old, 30 kids under the age of 16 being held in Gaza. So what this does to everybody is it strikes at the core of what it means to be here. And we all feel the pain because of being a small country, we know, I, I, I speak for myself, but I, I think I speak for everyone. Everyone knows someone who was killed. Everyone knows someone who was taken hostage. Everyone knows what this feeling is like. Everyone has family members who are now serving in the IDF. I have family members who are serving children, siblings, nephews, serving on the front lines. So, so what, what this means for any Israeli is that this is a feeling of, of, of immense anxiety, but war and concern about what's going to be with the future of our country. So Iran, the terrorist government, builds and supplies a terrorist army, as you described them both, and I fully concur for whatever that's worth, and thereby places the citizens of Gaza at risk, Hamas does, when the IDF responds. And yet, internationally, demonstrations are evident with the demonstrators supporting Hamas as freedom fighters. That makes that text I received from my Alberta listener really relevant. How, how do you re reconcile the demonstrators, based on what you just described to us, standing there by in the thousands chanting their support for Hamas? First of all, it's very concerning. And, you know, I live here in Israel, so I, I'm dealing with the concern of 
the battle with the terrorists, but I think that anyone who lives in the Western world today, whether it's in Canada, whether it's in the U.S., whether it's in London, Sydney, Australia, or Paris, wherever these protests are taking place, what we're seeing with these Hamas supporters and sympathizers is unfortunately, and, and I hate to say it, but I think it's true, they start with us, but then they move on to other places. This is what happened in the, 20 years ago in the beginning of the Second Intifada when Hamas suicide bombers were growing up on our buses and our coffee shops and our restaurants. And we said to the world, you might come, you know, because the world was coming out against us, saying, no, it's because of these so-called Israeli occupation. Just give the Palestinians a state and everything will be okay. And we said to the world, that's not what this is. This is a battle between the, the forces of good against the forces of evil. And if you stand on the wrong side of this battle, they are going to come after you. And we remember 9-11, and we remember the bombings in Madrid, and remember the bombings in London, and remember the attacks in Paris. They take place all over the world. So when I see tens of thousands of people marching on the streets of London, yet chanting jihad, a holy war against the Jewish people, when I see people on the streets of New York and elsewhere ripping down pictures of hostages that were taken by Hamas, and I see those rallies that are taking place. And I say to myself, first of all, these people are lock, lack any moral integrity, are willing to stand with the terrorist organization that brutalizes people, innocent civilians. Put that aside for a moment, but I think that you have to be concerned, Roy, that they're coming after you next. Yeah, dominoes. But, so now we also see the, the bombing by the IDF of Gaza and the civilian casualties. And those pictures and videos are very disturbing. What do you say to that? How should people, how should people see what they're seeing? Look, the pictures from Gaza, and there's destruction in Gaza, is deeply disturbing, and it's unfortunate. And I wish it didn't have to happen. And I think every Israeli wishes it wouldn't have had to happen. No Israeli wanted this war. But when 2,500 members of Hamas terrorists crossed into our country on October 7th and broke into our homes and killed our people and massacred in ways that are still, the testimonies are still, and the video footage is unimaginable, shocks you to your core. When they did that, so Israel shouldn't, shouldn't be able to defend itself? So people will say, but there are civilians. Of course we care for the civilians, but we also care about our civilians. And our civilians cannot be allowed to be murdered in that way. Unfortunately, what Hamas does by embedding itself in civilian infrastructure, by, by uh, hiding its, its operatives and its command posts under hospitals, schools, and mosques, and in apartment buildings, what it is doing is it is turning civilian infrastructure into military infrastructure. And Israel, like any country would, is defending itself and doing what it needs to do. It is trying its best to minimize civilian casualties. And when those do happen, there's only one side to blame in this conflict, and that is Hamas, for using these people. This is why, Roy, everyone thought Israel was going to invade right away Gaza. Israel waited three weeks to go into Gaza. Why? Because it wanted to try to move as many people from northern Gaza to southern Gaza. And it wanted to get a humanitarian effort underway in the south so the people from the north who moved to the south would get their, need, their needs met. Did anyone, did, did Hamas call up the, the kibbutzim 
the communities along the border and say, hey, we're going to invade you. Why don't you guys leave the border before, before they came into our homes? No, they didn't do that. So the, anyone who tries to create a moral equivalency between Israel and Hamas is, again, lacking any moral integrity and completely misunderstands what's happening here. This is a simple battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil. And if we don't stand on the right side in this historical conflict, It'll be a stain on us for the rest of our lives. You know, I've tried to make the argument with people face-to-face that Hamas is really just an extension, for our purposes, of ISIS. So if you're standing with Hamas, you're basically standing with ISIS. And I get a lot of pushback for that. Oh, no, no, that's not it. And, And again, it takes me back to what our... Listener in Alberta texted, ask them, are they aware? Are they truly aware? Or are they simply being influenced, in many cases, by university professors? And, um, well, we know that story. I want to ask you about that as well. But really, Hamas is an extension, again, and for general purposes, they're an extension of ISIS, are they not? Or are they worse? First of all, what we saw happen on October 7th seems to some extent even be worse than what we've known ISIS to do. We've seen terrible images from ISIS mm-hmm. of the way they treat women, the way they treat children, the way they would put people in cages and set those cages on fire. Yeah. But what we saw on, September, on October 7th were, were, were things and acts that were even worse than that, to burn children, to burn babies, to decapitate children. These are, these are images that we, no one should ever have to see. But I think that, that, that what we have to keep in mind is that it's not about whether they're worse than ISIS or they're, or they're better than ISIS. What this is about is how the world, when there was ISIS and America and Western Europe went to battle it and destroyed Mosul and Iraq and went into parts of Syria. Why is there a double standard? Why then was it okay to destroy those cities? Why then was it okay for the the coalition forces to kill thousands more civilians than what Israel, unfortunately, has had to kill in Gaza? Why is it okay then? But when it comes to the Jewish people, we can't defend ourselves. No one, I didn't hear anyone say to America, don't attack Mosul. But when it comes to Israel, everyone's telling us not to attack Gaza. Why is there a double standard? And that's the question people really need to be asked. And I think that sadly, Roy, what you'll find is that this is a classic form of anti-Semitism. People don't want the Jewish people to be able to defend themselves. We have uh, a significantly growing issue, problem uh, in this country. I, can't, I shouldn't say problem. It's well beyond a problem of uh, anti-Semitism um, uh, really growing where Jewish Canadians are, are reluctant sometimes to send their kids to school where a restaurant in Toronto, a Jewish restaurant, was basically besieged. And, uh, and I remember in, after the 2015, again, back to ISIS attack on France and Paris, speaking with a government official in, uh, in Paris, French official, who was very disturbed that um, many members of the Jewish community of France, and he said the Jewish community has been central to our existence for hundreds of years, are saying we can't live here anymore because it's not safe. We're going to Israel. I, I hope that doesn't happen here, but it's incumbent on us as Canadians to defend the Jewish 
Canadians, the Jewish members of our community, and stand with them and not allow, allow them to become pushed around and intimidated and, and victimized. And that's our job. So that's more of an editorial comment than a question. No, but I agree. That's the job today of every country. I mean, you look at the statistics and you see the stark, sharp rise in anti-Semitism across the world today. People who have no problem coming out and cursing Jews and shoot, shouting at Jews and beating Jews and besieging Jews. It's as if Jew, Jewish blood is not worth anything in today's world. And that is something that the entire world needs to come out and say, enough is enough. This isn't the way it can be. And this is unacceptable. And that's for the government in Ottawa and the government in D.C. and the government in London. All countries in the world that stand for freedom have to stand together against Hamas. Yeah. Our prime minister wasn't as quick as he should have been. Um, you're also somebody who's challenging of your own government in Israel. You're challenging uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's prime minister, and you posted about his behavior leading into uh, the, the current war. And you're... you're final sentence was, this is not the way a country goes to war. Explain that to us, please. Prime Minister Netanyahu was pushing, as we all know, the judicial overhaul before all this went down and led the country to an unprecedented state of division and strife. And that's how this war caught us. And today, thankfully, the Israeli people have come together and are fighting side by side. And the civilian effort to assist the troops is incredible as well. But what we have to keep in mind is that the country has to remain together. Unfortunately, we're seeing fights within the government, placing blame on officers of the IDF and members of the security services, claiming that they're the ones who are to blame and are responsible for the failures that led to the tragic events and the attacks on October 7th. But this is a colossal failure of government policy as well. And Netanyahu has failed until now to take responsibility. He has been the prime minister for 15 years, except for one year. This, was, this happened in his watch, and he who, who, who tried all these years to say, my number one legacy will be I protected Israel, well, he failed. And that requires a taking of responsibility. And when you can't do that, then there is a flaw in your character, I fear. And that is something that we also need to be cognizant of, because we're entering into a battle that could last months, if not longer. And we have to be strong and resilient. But the way to do that in democracy is also to have checks and balances and also to hold our leaders accountable. And we can do that here in Israel. Again, that is what distinguishes us from the bad people, from the, the, the side of Hamas. That is what makes us a powerful country. And that is one of our strengths. And that is how we have trust in our leaders. So when we can look them in the eye and understand that what they're doing might be right or might be wrong, that is part of the way that we can fight, and we have to do that. I'm sorry, I literally have only 30 seconds left. Uh, how concerned about are you about a second front in the north of Israel with Hezbollah coming down from the south, from Lebanon? Look, it's very concerning, Roy. The, the, the Hezbollah has many more rockets, many more fighters, greater capabilities. And Iran is behind all of this. And Iran wants this chaos and anarchy because they want to be able to continue with their nuclear program. Mm -hmm. They want to see Israel destroyed and weakened. And, and, and this is a concern that, that that front in the north could also blow up. Okay. And Israel has to be prepared for war on multiple fronts today. 
this is why this is a real battle. I don't want to say it's yet an existential battle, mm-hmm. but this could quickly turn into a battle that will really, the likes of which we have never seen before in okay. the state of Israel. Mr. Katz, I do appreciate so much you coming on the program. I hope you don't mind if we ask you back. Of course. Thank you, Roy. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.